This episode of The A-Team is brought to you by FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's number one source for Magic the Gathering card singles. This spell is like one of the cards that feels the best to cast. Whether it's Dig Through Time, against Ojatai's <laughs> Command, against the Coligan's Command, any, anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, BANG! And they're like, fuck. How does that go? BANG! Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the A-Team Podcast, brought to your ears by ManaDeprived.com, home of Canadian magic. In 2010, a crack magic playing unit was sent to prison by the DCI court for mines they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from a federal pound me in the ass prison to the Canadian underground. Today, still wanted by Wizards of the Coast, they survive as podcasters of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can listen to The AT. KYT. And, of course, they rag on me for not talking enough. <laughs> nice. Listen to me now, bitch. That's <laughs> Jay Boosh. You know what? This is how it works. I'm not old as fuck, and I don't play it easy. And those are the two things that apparently matter when you want to play Mind Flavor. And Jeremy. Sometimes you just have to be that guy. We're like, oh, you want to play some modern? It's like, yeah, I want to play some modern. And it's like, I'll suspend a lotus bloom. And they're just like, ah, oh, why did I want to play modern with you? And now, the A-Team. If you like Matthew Mendoza, talking <laughs> pros on the train, well, this is the A-Team, and he's on it again. That was my lame shit. This is Jeremy Scumbag Schofield coming at you with A-Team. 251, as you heard from my shitty rendition of Escape, uh, Mr. Matthew Mendoza is going to join us again, the content himself, and uh, <laughs> we've also got our fucking fearless leader, the man of mana deprived, the lackey of KYT, or F- face-to-face, <laughs> the lackey himself, KYT, Batman. Whoa! Oh! Pumping me up and then calling me a lackey? Yeah, man, I'm putting you down. What was that picture, no. man? What is that thing on your phone? What is that? You uh, look just miserable. Uh, it's it's Jay. It's you fuckers. Uh, you, Kyle, and Jay. All three of you fuckers have those uh, special in your orders. Oh no, not all the eighteen. Oh, I made different. a trend where everybody's got to start picking on you. Um, I'm not sure you. I'm not sure I, you start this, but uh, I think all the eighteen listeners are going to do stuff like that. But Kyle, um. Wanted a picture of me getting a hug because I, I, I apparently I, I, I need some cheering up sometimes or I look down oh, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. What's all those apple up? pictures? <laughs> That's me, me going apple picking. Um, and then you, you did the kick me sign on, on yeah. uh, PD Pablo put it on my back. Yeah. And Jay decided to uh, have Peter take a picture. He requested, I think, a picture of me. I, don't, I didn't see the exact order comments but a picture of me getting tickled and that was the result of that oh, so that's awesome and uh after i got up i was like those fuckers i was uh <laughs> it's uh the face-to-face games they do go uh that extra mile yes, for those absolutely. special uh requests they try they try their best they're not gonna do everything but if it's uh within reason at all they will they will go to that length to uh to do it to satisfy their customer and uh yeah i, w- I was i was tickled and obviously that shot is like <laughs> makes me look like 
I look terrible in that shot, but uh, Jay loves it. Um, so there's that. So, uh, so I'm getting people... a lot of joy out of the fact that the three of us are doing this to you, and like we don't talk <laughs> about it at all. Like it's never come up. I had no idea that I wasn't the only one. So this really, really makes me happy. So for the uninitiated, where can these pictures be found? I don't know. Oh. There's a spot. There's no spot. Like so far, I think I send it to to Jeremy personally. I emailed Kyle his his personal request, and Jay as uh, Jay got emailed or, or uh, sent that picture directly, and now he's he's checking it. He got it from Twitter, and he posted it on his Twitter feed. Um, so I, it hasn't been like broadcast to uh, to the A Team Army. Oh, uh, okay. Thank God. <laughs> Um, so I'm glad, I'm glad we got, uh, we don't have Jay tonight, but we got, we decided You're glad we don't have Jay tonight. What a scummy thing to say. I'm I'm glad we don't have Jay tonight. I'm so glad we don't have Jay. Um, but I'm I'm so glad to have uh, Matthew back with us, um, to talk a little bit about some, some standard because, uh, there's been a lot of things happening. The Pro Tour, obviously, and, uh, the, the new Bonkers F&M promo, uh, before we get to that. There's a Bonkers um, F&M promo? No, no, yeah, not the FNM promo. promo. RPTQ promo. But <laughs> that would before be we a get sick to that, FNM promo though. <laughs> no, bro. <laughs> um, Matthew, you you played at states mm-hmm. with I, I imagine without too much um information from the pro tour, like not not that much was spoiled from the PT. Like, did it influence your deck choice at all? Um, so I actually didn't play the standard portion. I played the modern portion. Cool. Okay, let's get right down to modern. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I uh, ended up playing in sunday's state championships out uh i actually drove the extra link to go to the uh uh, states in missouri uh because i have a bunch of friends that i was meeting up with so decided to hit them up uh on the way uh shout out to majelings games in uh, columbia missouri they were a pretty great place to have a little tournament Uh, i'm pulling out my twitter feed right now so i can look up my uh my match notes to find out exactly what I played and when. Um, so I decided to play Affinity. Uh, it's what I've been playing in Modern for a long time. Uh, okay. And I, I played I Affinity was... back when it was uh, actual Affinity in uh, in Standard, and it was terrorizing Standard. So uh, I'm one of the uh, hashtag old, old guy okay. uh, Magic players, so uh, I miss uh, <laughs> just sacrificing everything to ATOG. While they lose life to disciple and then attacking them for so much damage, but uh, so yeah, I played affinity. Um, I was a little unsure of my flex spots uh, because I had uh, tuned out a little bit uh, due to the like mag- more magic finance stuff I've been doing. Uh, spending been spending more mu- more time in that uh, sort of area, but I'm coming back to uh, playing and just being more. Uh, attentive to the metagame so uh but i do have to say my metagame predictions uh were fairly accurate in terms of decks i expected to face um you can check out my uh, twitter feed i posted a little bit a little list like a handmade list of like decks i expected to be there um and they were basically i basically wasn't wasn't accurate i played against elves i played against tron i played against uh grixis delve i played against grixis twin um, what was surprising about that particular tournament was that there was a lot of green-red Tron decks. 
And uh, they so much so they actually, I believe, three of them made it to the top eight. So, which was uh, a big surprise. I'm always, I always expect Green Red Tron because that's the deck that uh, it kind of appeals to the more Timmy personalities, to where you just assemble uh, seven mana and then nine mana and then you just start slamming things. Yeah. Um, but uh, so, but I did not expect it in the just sheer number of people that were playing it. So uh, that was kind of a surprise. So basically, I went, uh, drove up the same, drove up that morning and uh, played uh, my game round one uh, was against this uh, Tarmo Twin deck that okay. uh, was very weird game one uh, because uh, I talked to him after the match, but it, and it was he said it was a misplay, but uh, I wasn't sure what he was doing uh, because game one, I didn't see any mountains, like no red sources. And oh, all I saw was like, oh. Tarmogoyf into uh, Bounding Crisis into just some tempo stuff and I was just like, okay, uh, I'll just attack you for a whole bunch in the air and there was really not a whole lot he could do about it. So I didn't I, I wasn't sure how to board and then game two, he basically showed me uh, the mountains and I was like oh, so this is what's up and then he finally flashed me a Deceiver Exarch and I was, I was kind of uh, I was like, okay, I know what I'm doing. So, uh, game two, uh, he got that one. Uh, I don't remember how it ended, but uh, game three, I remember, was just this weird uh, back and forth where I played a bunch of mana sources and he played a bunch of mana sources. And I just happened to draw like two more business spells than he did. And it was just, it was one of the worst games of modern I think I've played in a long time. Okay. So, uh, but I got that one. thanks to X champion uh, plus plating. So uh, then round two, uh, I lost to a friend uh, playing red, green Tron um, game one and two were pretty close uh, on for both of us. And then game three was this like, um, I was kind of wondering whether or not it was a, a good decision. And I think I'm going to still going to do it going forward, but um, I actually took a picture and I shared my deck list uh, before going okay. into the event. Yep. So, uh, which I I'm just going to continue doing just because I think it like just I think that uh, if the the amount that I can gain by sharing my my own information with people who can help me uh, over uh, is greater than the uh, benefit of, that my opponents gain from not like knowledge like. The right. only uh, the only friend like I had a couple friends who follow me on Twitter um, and Facebook and stuff, so they were privy to what I was playing. But they already pretty much knew what I was playing, um, so it wasn't really that much of an information advantage. But yeah. so it just allowed me to focus on uh, my about playing, like playing the best Magic that I could. Um, so we got into this really weird game three where um, it was my turn. My turn two. I uh slammed some I just played some stuff uh played my played a blink moth nexus and passed the turn uh he untapped he had a tron piece a ghost quarter and then played a second ghost quarter and then he knew that I wasn't playing a mountain in my deck he knew I wasn't playing a basic land uh cuz that sick cuz a lot of affinity players go back and forth as to whether you should play the 17th land or not 
Yeah. Uh, or you should play like whether you should play like a three Glimmer Void one basic split, or a four Glimmer Void plus a plus a basic land. Um, and I I always went the route of like not flooding out, but this changed after this weekend uh, because he uh, double ghost quartered quartered me, and basically just dropped me to no oh. land, and I just could, didn't have anything. So I I eventually just like. We've kind of played draw go where I like attacked for one for three turns and then played a Memnite and then was able to double my clock and then played another Memnite eventually. And, uh, but unfortunately I just wasn't able to draw out of it and he was. So, uh, it was kind of a ballsy play on his part because he told me after the fact that he only had, uh, he had no lands in hand. And so his turn three was literally go down to one land to make me have no land. Yeah. And he actually had no knowledge of what my hand was. So I could have just had more land in hand. Yeah. And then he could have just been in a lot of trouble. I mean, I think, I think he got, we talked about it afterwards, and I think he acknowledged that he got lucky. Uh, okay. That that was a really ballsy line to take. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you guys think? So it, you're playing Tron. It's yep. your turn three. You have no land in hand. You play your ghost quarter. Uh, what would you guys have done in that situation? Would you have ghost quartered one of your ghost quarters for like a colored source so you could play like the Nature's Claim or Pyroclasm or whatever that you have in your hand, or would you have like gone after my mana base? So, so he has information about. So you you talked about the the whole Twitter thing. So, are are you saying that he knew that you you didn't have he knew he you didn't have a basic land basically? Correct. Okay. I saw. Ah, uh, I don't know. I don't think I make that play. I don't think that I go after Affinity's land. Like, it just... That deck can operate on so little mana. Okay. And I would want to be either holding on to my stuff to make sure I have the ability to do Pyroclasm or Nature's Claim later or something along those lines. Like, I, I just... I, I can't see myself going after your land in that spot. Okay. KYT, any... I mean, this is, uh, I'm just trying to make sure I understand the scenario correctly. So this is, like, his his turn three? Correct. And you have, I, what are your, what do you have, what are your permits in play? Uh, Vault Scourge, small creature, like, Vault Scourge 1-1. One, one. I think I had an Ornithopter. Like, I didn't have a whole lot on the board. So and Your lines, again, so, were the, uh... Like, two Nexus, like, yeah. or whatever, like. I don't know. Are you attacking with the Nexuses? No, no, not at that point. I mean, I killed him. Um, I do think that, uh, like, Inkmoth Nexus and Blinkmoth Nexus are two of the strongest uh, permanents I have against Tron uh, yeah. because they can't be pyroclasmed. Um, yeah. They can't be uh, O-stoned because they're not their lands. Yeah, right. Um, so that's how I actually got there. I had this really crazy line in game two where I had to. I had a plating and three Inkmoth Nexuses, and that was my board. So my my <laughs> my plays for three turns in a row was animate one Nexus, equip plating, and attack for three Infect. Yeah. And I did that three turns in a row until I drew a fourth land and was able to basically animate two Nexus and attack him for the last poison. Yeah. So that Nature's Claim is like his only out in that situation. And it's not even a very good one. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't win the game. Like it does. It, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't slow you down a ton. Yeah, 
and he actually did pop an O stone, um, in response to me like attacking, and I was like, oh, it's a it's a non land, like it's a land. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he derped in that situation. But anyway, so that was the that was the play that he made game three, and he got he mm-hmm. he got rewarded for it. So, because basically, I just didn't draw anything. He eventually drew out of it, drew a colored source. And... What what was in your hand again? Like at that time? Um, because it... like if you only have two lands. And an Ornithopter and Vault Scourge in play. Like, I'm, I'm just curious, what the heck did, did you have? What else did you um, have? Like, uh, the three-drop guys? Like, the... I think I kept... My hand was awkward in that I had I had a, a Plating in hand and a, uh, a Ravager. And I kept drawing, like, two-mana stuff. I kept drawing just, like, two-mana spells from that point on. Um... So what did you do on turn two? Is what I'm curious. Did you like uh, play decide to play Vault Scourge for one mana? Like, I think I had a a Memnite and a Vault Scourge. I I honestly don't remember. Right. Okay. So, I can see. I can do that. Like turn one, you play Memnite, Vault Scourge, pay the light. But then turn two, you would have played something. So like the exact board state is uh, right. That's, yeah. That's confusing to me that you don't have anything else. Yeah, it might have been. It might have been a plating. I might have just played the plating and just not have mana to equip it. Okay. And it, it, well, if you did have have a plating, then for hit, hit, him to do that is pretty pretty dangerous. He's just sacrificing his two lands and hoping you don't have an extra land to be able to like equip. Yeah. And start start getting in there, but but even if you do equip, you're not really getting in for that much anyways cuz you have a Volt Scourge a plating and a memnite. Ah, still a clock. You're you're clocking him for uh, Volskers would get a plus three bonus. Yeah, so it's like four, four damage, one. but plus the memnite that's five. So yeah, no, it is a strong clock. So any other land uh, from you, any any source would have uh, would have been a pretty big uh, big swing. So yeah, um, I, I I wish I would have taken a picture of it. I did, hindsight, I, <laughs> I didn't foresee this discussion coming up. But uh, in hindsight, <laughs> I would have taken a picture. So, but so I, that's the game. I that was a that was my first loss uh, to my friend playing Red Green Tron. Uh, round three, I uh, played against Elves. Uh, I was appalled at myself game one because uh, I kept a stupid, stupid hand that was on the draw. So my my plan was if I draw a land, I get to go Memnite, Memnite, Signal Pest. Untap signal pass. So I get to just start attacking for a whole bunch. If I don't draw a land, I don't do anything. So it was an obvious mulligan decision. So I should have mulliganed. I felt stupid afterward. <laughs> um, and then basically game games two and three, um, I like he was kind of a newer. I don't know if he was like a newer player, but he like didn't see all the lines that he had. So for example, I at one point I had like a a master of Ethereum. But he had a Zuri, so he could have just infinitely like blocked my master and just okay. regenerated his elf. But he just never saw that line; like he just never saw that. Okay. So I just attacked <laughs> with master a couple times, and then eventually, like he clogged up the board, played Crater Hoof uh, plus another thing, and attacked me for nineteen. Okay. And then, but he didn't have a flyer, so I just I animated Inkmoth Nexus and just attacked him for ten uh, infect with like two Ravagers. So, uh, and then 
that was that was that round. Uh, round four, I lost to uh, Grixis Delve, which uh, man, when did that deck get like? I knew that deck was good. It's ridiculous, and, and I've played it before, but wow, just wow! Like Culligans, like I've never been Culligans commands yeah, so many hammers. times in a tournament. Yeah. Um, and then <laughs> yeah, they it's added. It's easy to happen to it you know, like four times a game, and it's like they've only got three in the deck, but they're still getting you every freaking time. Yeah. Um, and then one thing that I was one piece of technology I was actually really surprised to see, um, was post board he brought in languish to deal with Etch Champion. Oh, cute! I like which it. I I just I was like I wow I I'd seen Vandal Blast, mm-hmm. uh, but I had never seen languish before. So, but. I mean, it doesn't kill Gurmag Angler. It doesn't kill Tassiger. I mean, it makes total sense. All right. Yeah. So, uh... That's one of the tougher matchups. Yeah, yeah. And it just... He just kept... Game one was so close that had I been on the play, I would have won. But because I was on the draw, I lost. And he just kept, like... He would would run out of something, run out of stuff, and then he would Thought Scour and draw into another, another solution. And then he would... Thought scour again and drawn to another solution. It was just, it, it was like it was just really tight. Um, and then game two was just just Culligan's command, Culligan's command, languish. Um, just didn't didn't get there. Grixis round five. I played Grixis twin. Um, and uh, one thing that I that I didn't foresee was him bringing in Jace. Um, game one basically he tried to go for his combo. He basically went X arc. Tap my Glimmer Void at end of turn, uh, the turn before I could attack him for lethal, and then uh, in response I just uh, Galvanic Blasted his Exarch, and he untapped and was like, okay, I just had to go for it. And then game two and three, um, he kind of just he he went command command, and then played Jace and was he played Jace turn two, and I just never what, uh, the new one the new one yeah, yeah he, he played the okay. new Jace and I just never dealt with it. Um, because I'm dumb, apparently. And uh, so I just, I respected the combo too much, and I only had one piece of removal the whole game, so I wanted to make sure that he just couldn't combo off on me. And what I was missing was that I could, should have killed the Jace. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's, that's I mean, that's where I think that that deck can. I just for, forget sometimes that Twin doesn't need to rely on its combo. Yeah. Uh, so he just was able to Jace, and then um, that's basically the same thing that happened in game three was he just played the turn two Jace. I just never, never dealt with it. And he just won from there, uh, by just getting a whole bunch of value. Um, so at that point I was two and three, which was, I was feeling uh pretty great about myself. And then, uh, for the round six, uh, <laughs> round six, I played affinity or I played infect and <laughs> went uh basically the games turned out where i just went i just did my thing and then uh he took uh two points of damage from a shock land yeah and then he took four points of damage from my plating on a on an ornithopter and then he took 14 points of damage from a second plating on my ornithopter and that's how game one went and then game two he attacked me for one infect which turned into two infect because of exalted which turned into four infect because of groundswell, and then which turned into a nut, uh, which turned to six, and then which turned into ten. In fact, uh, with <laughs> Mitavolt Prosa, 
and because uh, he played might first and then uh, during his main phase and then was able to just attack me for whatever. And then game three, uh, same thing. It was uh, play Ornithopter, uh, equip it with plating, attack for a whole bunch, and then equip it with a second plating and attack for his life total. Sounds fair. Yep. So, uh, yeah. And uh, so that was my tournament. Uh, that was my SCG States 3-3. Um, I definitely felt like uh, my flex spots, like I said, really let me down. Uh, going in, I had two Master of Ethereum, and those, I've never felt like there was a worse card for the metagame right now than Master. It just feels slow. It feels vulnerable. Um, with all the Culligans commands running around, you're just yeah. like... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it just felt awful. And uh, so I'm switching those out uh, for like one Edge Champion and then one Mountain. Um, and then I'm still not sold on Hangerback Walker. I, I, I don't know. Do you guys have any experience with, with that? No. Um... Well, I always thought it was bad in uh, Affinity, though other people have, have told me otherwise. Um, talking to Alex when, because uh, I played his, his deck at Worlds, I played it at the uh, WMCQ, and we had uh, our friend Trip, a listener of the show, go undefeated at a recent GP. Uh, but then the wheels came off on day two with, with the exact same list, and... Uh, Based on our experience and just talking with Alex and Alex talking to, uh, working with Owen at the Worlds, they they thought that Hanger Back was just just too slow and never and never thought it was good in their testing. And I never thought it fit anywhere uh, in a lot of the matchups that I want to fight. I just it was just unimpressive. It just felt too slow, and you just didn't have um, you you always needed Ravager to make it like amazing because. It's it's one of those problems, just like in standard, when you're playing these decks that um, struggle to you know pop it when you want it to pop. Um, so that's why I've never been impressed um, with it. Yeah, and then that's basically I came to that conclusion. Uh, I played one in my in my main deck in one of my flex spots, and was just like, I just never wanted to cast it. Right. I, <laughs> it was just I would rather was do I was just so like upset with myself because <laughs> even though like I because I was I was going into it I was kind of on the fence about whether I should try a card in my deck that I hadn't really played a whole bunch with because uh, I always I, I kind of have a feeling that you should go in uh, playing cards that you know are good and you know how to play because that gives you the most uh, that gives you the most edge um, even right. if it is a little outdated you're still playing a version that you know you know all the moving parts, especially in like an eternal format like this. Uh, but I just was like, I'm going to try this. It could be insane. It, it And it was just, I just couldn't ever get it to work. Like Master, I can definitively say was just bad. Um, whereas I have the same hesitate. I have that, I have a different hesitation for Hangerback Walker because I just felt like I didn't know how to play it. Okay. Where'd you pick up the tech? Like, where did you, um, so uh, did you just hear about it? In Oklahoma City, there were versions. There were a couple different versions. Uh, some people decided to just play, like, two or three. Uh, some, my friend Austin, uh, who him and I talk about Affinity a lot together, because he also plays it, he was trying one for a long time and just and kind of liked it. But there was, like, in Oklahoma City, there was, like, this version that was, like, playing 
uh, Shrapnel Blast, Arcbound Worker, and like all in on the Hangerback Walker plan. Yeah, that that makes more sense to me. Yeah, and I can I can see that, but it just I I don't know. It just feels like you're playing all of these bad cards to make like Hangerback Walker decent. Right, right. You're it's a synergy play. I, so that's why I don't like when I played it. I just didn't. Uh... Even when testing, I think uh, early on, Frank Karsten was even messing around with it, and he, he posted a list that uh, in an article to try out if you were to play hanger bags. And I think I tried that list, and I just it would just never felt good. It just never there was never a spot where I was like, "Damn, thank God I have hanger back walkers." Yeah. So. Well, the cart just feels like it's so anti-synergetic with the rest of what the deck's supposed to be doing. Like it yeah. just feels like that deck is like. My job is to vomit out a win, not yeah, to yeah, play I, this mid-range <laughs> hanger back game. I if I'm gonna use one, like I have to use one mana to make it bigger. When Steel Overseer just taps and my entire team gets bigger, like yeah, it's just not even close uh, in terms of power level um, for the deck. So I think yeah, I think I would just be happy not knowing that it's. I mean, even if it might be good, it's not like amazing that that you. It's not a must play at all. So uh, I'll definitely shave that away from my list. Yep. So and that's what I'm going to do in the uh, edits that I'm going to be making uh, is basically just cutting the Hangerback Walker, cutting the two Masters, adding a land, adding uh, Thoughtcast once again. Because uh, if I'm going to be gr- like if I'm going to be battling against all these grindy decks, because um, I think that. And maybe you guys have some insight onto this. The metagames at smaller modern tournaments is way they seem to be way less combo uh, saturated than the metagames at like GPs. Hmm. Don't think I can comment. They've always been very varied lately. I can't really um, up north over here, at least in the east side. I, I can't. I don't have a pulse on on what would. Uh, what would be played at the like if there was a GP nearby locally or at a GP level I'm not even sure what to expect like I would look over at past big events but uh, yeah it's it's like locally like uh, Quebec City when we had our MDSS in Quebec City there was a lot of merfolk and um, you know when I played at the WMCQ I basically played against a different deck every round and there were different decks everywhere so I can't like I played against a kid playing Boggles. I played against Burfolk. I played against um, some Polymorph deck in round one. It's like it's everywhere. Okay. From my end, I don't know about you, Jer. Um, I think my experience with it is that I think you see more combo at GPs just because that's kind of the nature of a Grand Prix. You have so many players there. You have so many different decks. You have. You have the ability for these combo decks to kind of make it through because they can dodge the matchups just because there's enough decks out there to get that sample size where the combo decks are going to trickle through. Whereas I think at the local meta, you probably have the same number of combo decks like in a, a representation, but they just, the local meta is just going to hate against it. So okay. they're going to have worse matchups. You're not going to see them eking their way to the top because of it. That That, that would be my thought on it. Like that's... Okay. Yeah. So, because I didn't see any Amulet Bloom, I didn't see any... uh, I did see one Ad Nauseum deck, um, and I didn't see any Lantern decks. So, it... But I I always feel like these these local tournaments, like, 
or smaller smaller modern events are always like Merfolk, Tron, Elves, like Abzan, Coco, Abzan, Midrange, Jund. Like I always feel like they're the more fair decks, like Murf, like Merfolk. Whereas, uh, like at GPs and stuff, and maybe it could be just like what the better players gravitate towards, um, and that the better players go to the GPs, which are you know, and I see them, and I see them playing, you know, like Alex Hayne plays Amulet Bloom, and I see Ben Friedman playing the Grizzlebrand combo, yeah. and um, I see all these like great players playing these combo decks and maybe it's just because i don't see those players at these event, smaller events yeah there's yeah, it's that possible. aspect of it like some of those decks are difficult to play some of those decks kind of come out of nowhere and are very expensive to play um they don't usually like combo decks don't usually borrow cards from other decks like a player who plays jun then all of a sudden switches to junk then you know starts to like coast through it mm-hmm. they can build a, a, a subset of decks but like, the cards that you play in Gristlebrand are not the cards that you play in Amulet, are not the cards that you play in Lantern. So it requires a bit of an investment, and that's also, you know, something that's a real consideration when you're talking about F&M or local metagame type things like that. Some people just can't afford to buy all that stuff. The other thing is, like, I know at my local meta, like, if you go to a modern tournament, you'll get about 30-some-odd people. You will have an Amulet deck there. You will have a Scape Shift deck. You will have a, a Grishel brand type deck. Um, so there's a little bit of mod or a little bit of combo that gets uh, played. Um, I will be the guy who will be playing something stupid like Restore Balance. So, <laughs> yeah, and then, so uh, that was basically my Sunday. Uh, that's how uh, that's how I spent it. And uh, there was one surprising deck in the top eight was uh, Death and Taxes, uh, Mono White Death and Taxes. I was I was like. I just kind of walked by the top eight as they were playing, and I'm like, I looked over and it's like, wow, I've, I don't see those cards in modern very often. Like the, uh, like the Leonin Arbiter version, right? Yeah, yeah, like not yeah. green white hate bears, like actual, yeah, like just mono white ported hate. over mono white death and taxes, uh, with suppression fields and and stuff like that. So, uh, that was really that was really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, anno- annoying cards to play. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that that was great. I think like if there was uh, to end it off, I would say I, w- I would be happy to play Affinity moving forward. I mean, that's the deck I would play if there was a tournament uh, tomorrow. So, um, but something else happened during the weekend. No, what? No, what? <laughs> <laughs> I disagree. Battle. An F and M happened. F and M happened on Friday, <laughs> and uh, live okay. coverage. Uh, there was a pro tour. I bet and, there was uh, an F and M that Avery just tore to pieces. The prodigal son. The prodigal son. <laughs> um, man. <laughs> like I, right, I right. think Avery needs like some Namsung Wook level of name dropping. <laughs> prodigal son. Hashtag not a Wook. <laughs> I got a lot of shit at his local store. Um, shout out to Avery. Um, there was a pro tour, and uh, we drafted. I, I think I owe someone pizza. I have no clue who. Um, Thank goodness. I well, think like I'm not even sure. Win his match. He did not win, so I, I, I'm so assuming I'm. You owe me some pizza. Yeah. You... 
<laughs> Are you undoubtedly in first? Uh, as, according to the last point count that we got via Twitter, uh, I was a I was ahead with 123 points. Okay, because like Jay, for some reason, thinks someone needs to send him pizza. So I think Jay's <laughs> under the impression that since he got second, I'm supposed to send him pizza. Oh, no, that's not that's not happening. I'm I'm just I just owe Mr. Mendoza some pizza. Yeah, I ain't sending him pizza. All I'm gonna say <laughs> it's about time. It's about time, KYT. It's about time he got his pizza. Man, I could just get you fucking pizza this weekend. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Is he um, going to GP Pizza? Yeah, he's go- <laughs> GP Quebec City. Um, I I got to catch a bit of the coverage. I didn't watch it all. Um, of GP but, Quebec uh, City. That's because it wasn't on yet. <laughs> Just putting a, it a out PD, there, bud. A PD battle for Zendikar. Um, I was definitely cheering for uh, Team Face Face Games, who working uh, with. Uh, well, they were always working with with PV, anyways. Um. With some of the members uh, and PV and Shuhei, when they were working with Team Channel Fireball, they split up for uh, you know time commitment reasons. Channel Fireball wanted to to stay more local and, and work with uh, I guess I think it's Denver where uh, LSV works and yeah. with with uh, the people uh, in his inner circle and um, whereas you know Alex and them were were more happy to get together. I think they got together at GP Madison and then they got together. Before the PT to solve it and to try to solve it, and Alex was not happy with with any of the decks. He would be talking to me uh, days before um, the Pro Tour, and now I know why that he was uh, unhappy because ultimately he he played Atarka Red, which is a deck <laughs> that he wouldn't be caught dead playing ever. Um, he's never played a deck like this in in a competitive uh, tournament, um, not even close, and he would always like laugh at me or make fun of me if I were to play something like that. It's like, why are you playing? Why are you playing Mono Red? Like, why are you playing this? Um, and he ended up not looking at any decks and listening to PV and played a Tarka Red, which I felt uh, maybe we talked about on the show before, which is a deck that I'm not entirely in love with at all, but I guess they're testing um, showed it might, may have been the best choice anyways with John Stern Alex Hayne and PV all finishing in the top 25. There might have been other members as well. And uh, it just felt like some... I mean, I don't think it's good moving forward because Jeskai Black is going to be very popular because Owen and, and Finkel both top aided with it. Yeah. And it's a tough matchup. And you know, for me, I just felt the, the deck we're talking about early about Affinity, how certain builds require Reliant Synergy, and this one does, mm-hmm. of course. Um, if you have team or battle rage and you don't have, you know, the creature or, or the becoming immense in your hand or, or another pump like Titan Strength, it becomes less good. Uh, I played against, like, in a testing last week against some local friends, against Mardu, where they're, they have the ability to shred your hand. Or, heck, you know, you pump your guy and they have Crackling Doom. They're going to kill the, the biggest guy that you pump. And, uh, and then post-sideboard, you know, synergy decks tend to, to go way lower because they're just trying to... If they go for the one for one plan, you're just you're usually left with a very underpowered deck, and and then when you're watching PV against Finkel, he he had to mulligan a lot, but uh, it just felt like if you stumble at all, you're not going to be able to top deck much. Whereas the other guys like top decking, Kraken Dooms, Mantis Riders, Ojatai's Command, all these like powerful spells, Sarkin, and uh, if you're not. Uh, 
in the beginning, guns blazing from the get from the get go, it, it looks like you're probably gonna lose. Yeah. So I mean, I was like, I was, I'm just looking at uh, Takamura's Abzan list, and I'm just like, there's no synergy. There's like very little synergy. It's just slam good cards, and <laughs> like you definitely cannot do that with a Tarka Red. Yeah. However, there is a deck that, uh, there is a version of a deck that does impress me, which is the Landfall deck that Jerry talked about uh, when we had him on, Jer, yeah. uh, that I felt like I was talking about, like, why, why is he talking about it? Because SCG results showed no copies of the Landfall version, and no copies of the Landfall version, I think, were shown on stream this past weekend. Except now I, I found out that Ari Lax played it and said his entire team did roughly 75% with it in the Constructed. Oh, nice. With, with a Tarka Red Landfall. And I also found out that Mike Flores um, may have played it. It was a deck that Zvi, I think Zvi probably played it because uh, Brian Gottlieb, my friend, uh, my good friend that we've had also on the show, he ended up playing Landfall. And I assume that, that entire team uh, or at least most of it were on that deck, and he told me that that's what he played, and that's what he would recommend to me heading into Quebec City. So that's that's definitely interesting. That that's something to take a look at because um, it relies less on uh, it still relies on the teamer battle rage become immense combo, but because of all the landfall creatures and the fetch lands, you guys are big enough. So you don't need, like, the extra pump spells, Titan Strength, etc. to make Battle Rage good. Um, like, less frequently. Yeah. Because of the other one, PV played three in their list because, like I mentioned, it's, it's terrible in a lot of situations when you don't have card X. But in this, uh, in the Ari Lax version, um, they're, they're uh, mitigating that by having all these creatures that can become big via lands. And that if you have a fetch land and you have the leopard to make a four four and you just team or battle rage that that's eight damage right there, um, so that's pretty good. Um, and I'm looking forward to trying it out. But but playing these decks, there's a lot of math, and Ari admitted that he did a lot of mathematical, uh, I guess, miscalculations because he he said he had to take a lot of notes and he had to memorize like okay, Titan Strength plus he has to shortcut a lot of these. Um, so it's like Titan Strength and Monastery Swisper is this power and toughness. And if I team or battle uh, rage, that's the amount of damage this combination of cards has. So you don't have to calculate it all the time when you're at the table, which, which you know, can totally... Yeah, if you can shortcut that stuff, then you can focus on the more complicated uh, aspects of the board state. So I think uh, this deck, this type of deck requires a ton of practice. And after the show, I'm, I'm going to try to build it on, on Moto and, and grind some leagues with it <laughs> to see if I like it. Yeah, it seems like a little stronger than the Atarka Red deck, simply because the cards in it, uh, they, they, are, they aren't as reliable, aren't as reliant on uh, having the card combinations. Like Atarka Red, you need these card combinations at this point in the game, whereas that Landfall deck, it's more. Uh, it puts more pressure on the cards, having the cards at the right time. Uh, so, like your creatures, for example, you need to play them on curve to get uh, powerful stuff to start happening. Because, but because you're just playing lands, uh, you don't have to worry about like having the Titan strength in addition to all that other stuff. If that makes right. sense. Yeah, and 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 the other one played. 
cards that felt really bad when when I played in testing. Like you had to play stuff like it was playing stuff like Dragon Father, which mm-hmm. in a lot of situation, it's like they're they're like uh, let's say against Jeskai Black or or Mardu or anything. They're like you, you play you tap two man Father and they, they either have Matt Strider or uh, Soulfile Grandmaster and you're yeah. just like fuck. <laughs> like Soulfile Grandmaster requires an instant answer. Um, you're trying to race him as fast as possible, and that guy is fucking annoying. And uh, having a bunch of one-one tokens isn't exactly uh, where I want to be. Yeah. So, um, but you know, PB got to the top eight, and like I said, they all made three of them made top twenty-five. Hayne and Stern. So maybe there's something there. Not but, to mention uh, a couple definitely... other sicko Canadians. Not to mention a couple of sicko Canadians. Um, so that's interesting there. Um. I expect Jeskai, like Jeskai Black, but it's one, like I've talked about this before, where I felt Jace decks are really complicated, like my Jace uh, Tokens deck that I mentioned that it was uh, a potential for me to play at the last WMCQ, yeah. between Jace, Jeskai Ascendancy, and, and all these other cards um, that are cheap and give you a lot of choices, it just like... My mind just goes bleh. And this Jeskai Black deck has the same type of stuff. You got Jace, you got Dig Through Time, um, you got Lands. Um, initial testing between me and Justin Richardson, uh, who is uh, part of Team Canada, both of us are struggling uh, at the beginning of our, we were struggling at the beginning of our testing because a lot of it comes, uh, and Jerry mentioned this, even in uh, for five color brintelite, but it, it it also applies to all these other decks, which is the land sequencing. Oh yeah, like, what's a fetch? It's a huge deal that uh, I expect. I'm I'm not expecting everyone go, playing at GB Quebec City to have like a ton of practice behind them, and if they don't, they are going to fuck up a lot uh, at the beginning because I've been screwing up. There's always one land that I'm like, oh fuck, I should have gone that land. Or in this instance, I should have fetched a basic, so any other land that I possibly top deck is going to be untapped. So stuff like that, it's 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 been a, a huge thing for me right now, just to learn. I'd be interested to try that deck because, I mean, for that reason, I used to play uh, Tribal Zoo in uh, early, early modern, and that was very much, uh, like, if you don't have your correct land combinations in, on turn three, for example... You just lo- you just lose the game because you can't play your cards in the sequence that you need to play them. Yeah, so, and then getting full, trying to you know work out to get full value uh, off of your tribal flames, and then not taking so much damage that you die. So, this deck looks like a lot of fun, though. Like I imagine a lot of like, uh, you play your six land and pass the turn, and then like Ojitai's command at end of turn to or in response to counter something. And then bring back Dragon Master Outcast. Then you untap yeah. during your upkeep, make a dragon. It's like a wee. I like this. <laughs> that is definitely one of the sweet, sweeter plays that you could play with that with that deck. And uh, it it is definitely awesome. Uh, and then you feel like you can't you can't uh, lose the game at that point if if your Outcast survives. Yeah. Um, so it's it also feels like it makes your opponent look like have to focus on multiple zones. Uh, because a, a, in a lot of decks in this standard, you know, with like a Tarka Red, for example, you, you know, we really only have to worry about what cards they can delve out of their graveyard. Um, but in this deck, you have to really pay attention to like what they discard to Jace and what you've killed and stuff because of 
Culligan's command and Ojutai's command, they can just bring it back fairly easily. Uh, I think that that deck definitely pressures opponents in that respect as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is there any other deck that you thought was interesting uh, from your quick scan, uh, Matt? Um, that The Jeskai Tokens deck looked interesting only, only because it looks... Um, like, I commented to Jeremy that, uh, like, for example, uh, th- this standard just looks really, really expensive, too. Oh, expensive. Um, expensive. I mean, like... Unless I, you play Landfall. Yeah, yeah. Landfall. <laughs> uh, like, Ricky Chin's green-white Megamorph dance, uh, deck, for example, has one Valor stance and two Silk Wrap, and then 11 basic lands, and the rest are rares and mythics. Uh, but that does not have Jace in it, so that's a plus. Yeah, that, that makes it cheaper. <laughs> but like, I was looking at this this uh, Jeskai Tokens deck, and not only does it look fun because you can just it looks like you can do a lot with uh, Jeskai Sentency and stuff, but it looks like you also get some value out of like untapping Jace um, with Jeskai Sentency. Uh, but once again, you still have to play Jace, so uh, which is definitely uh, not something I'm looking to do. <laughs> not looking to do. I mean, eighty eighty five dollars for a standard card. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's let let's every A team member. Let's just all collectively just draft more origins. So <laughs> yeah, I just more... I just three zero to draft while we were doing this. So are you drafting origins though? Yeah, I drafted origins. Okay. Yeah, but I, I imagine Jace can't be that crazy online though. Oh, no. it's oh, like sixty. You can tickets, imagine. You can imagine. It is 60, so people need to draft Origins online and offline more often <laughs> to get to get more Jaces out in the market. Um, definitely miss on that opportunity where Jace was only like I guess 20 bucks at some point, maybe. Yeah, but like I, I just I just can't tell anymore because we had Wingmate Rock as a mythic that's a super played card, and now it's played in a lot of archetypes now. A lot of the top five archetypes are playing it, whether it be green-white, uh, metamorph, whether it be um, Abzan aggro, or um, some token builds. And I'm not sure if its its price has gone up, but at one point it was just like really cheap for a mythic, super playable standard mythic. Oh yeah, I think I bought mine for like $2. Yeah, yeah it's like, we it's no one of those fun cards where it's actually more expensive online. <laughs> Tassiger, you see it very example, often, but it does happen. Now. Huh? Uh, Tassiger is four dollars now. Yeah, where it's like no sense. <laughs> I don't understand. And and Seedrun, well, Seedrunner was a rare, and Seedrunner just never was never expensive, even though it was played all the fucking time. Because I, I guess like part of it is when you're playing, you when a card is played so much, you always like have your four copies handy, and, and some of these obscure one-ofs that you sometimes may or may not play, people just, like, last minute need to buy because they can't find it or just too lazy to look into their boxes to find that, that mythic that they need to play, I guess. I just I just don't know. I just don't know uh, anymore. Yeah. Uh, one uh, little thing I noticed about this Jeskai Black deck, uh, if you're looking to play it, KYT, also keep in mind of, like, what cards you delve. Uh, because I noticed that not in addition to the command tricks that we mentioned earlier, uh, this deck does actually use two fiery impulse, uh, which has you know has a spell mastery clause, uh, which may or may not be relevant. So uh, that is something yeah. for people to keep in mind if they're interested in playing it. Yeah, there's that, and like you mentioned, 
Kogan's command, bring it back, and then there's uh, the obvious uh, Ojitai's command that you talked about, where you may want to bring back a Jace, or, or uh, so sometimes it's okay. Sometimes you might have to make a weird decision where like, oh, I have to keep this for spell mastery, or I have to keep this dude because I might draw an Ojitai's command and, and stuff like that. So um, the deck is uh, is complicated. I've actually had it proxied up and and have played at least. Uh, five to six games with it, and it, it feels very powerful. And um, Abzan is still weak to flyers, so Mantis Rider on turn three is a very tough clock for them if they they can't deal with it in in time. Um, they usually have to like have something big enough so that they're not valuing themselves out with a Jomokas command, or they have to have like a Wingmate Rock, which is obviously the best answer to a Mantis Rider, because you have two three fours staring at a 3-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. Um, the other deck that was gaining some waves in the in the pro community is, is and not something that you will see on, on the top eight again, because they, they struggled in a limited portion, is Sam Black's deck, uh, the Bant Tokens deck, where him, Ben Stark, and uh, two other famous players that escaped my mind played it. No, Justin Cohen played it. Uh, Sam Black's best friend or or roommate, and um, they were apparently close to that seventy five percent win rate. Uh, small sample size, but still very impressive. And that bent deck, uh, I've also put it together, proxied it up this week, and that looks really impressive because it plays. Have you seen it, Jared? Because you would love this, maybe. Uh, no, I have not seen that deck. What is it? It plays. It's it's bad tokens and it plays a four nisses. Um, okay. Because it's trying to maximize the amount of land drops so that it could maximize the power of the white retreat. It plays four oh, okay. copies. Okay, I think I did see okay. thing, yeah. I think I four see. copies of the white retreat. So it's like, in a way, it's also four extra copies of Gideon, basically, in, in this type of deck, where you're just trying to make a bunch of dudes. So you have four Gideons, four white retreats, four Nissas. You have, uh, I believe, three Secure the Wastes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's got the planner outburst if you need to reset the nonsense and get the, the craziness going. It plays like the sweetest... As long as your opponent is not playing Jamoka's Command, it's playing the sweetest set of removal that you have in the format right now and four Silk Wraps, I think, and two Stasis Snares. Yeah. Those are really annoying if they can't deal with it. Like against, It's also uh, got a quarantine field. Right. Uh, when testing against Jeskai Black, uh, especially Owen and, and John's version and Finkel's version, I'm just like, you know, silk wrap your Jason. I know that they can't they can't get it back. Basically, uh, Stasis snare your Mantis Rider or even your Sarkin uh, if you decide to attack me with it. Uh, so those are are just silk wrap. Uh, some pros say it's it's the best removal spell in the format right now, and and I can totally see that, and because um, it also gets rid of a hanger backwalker. Yeah. Um, which is why, like, which is one of the weaknesses I find in, in the uh, Jeskai Black deck. I don't think in the main deck you have any real way of getting rid of a very troublesome Hangerback Walker. You don't have a Silk Wrap. You don't have Jeskai Charm to put it on top. You don't really have a way to uh, to get rid of that shit. Um, yeah, I was actually looking at the uh, at the deck for those specific reasons. And in terms of both enchantments and uh, killing a Hangerback Walker without actually killing it other end is the only main like the one other end is the only main deck answer right uh they also post board in terms of four enchantments felidar cub is the only 
card that they have that can actually deal with that. Um, they can exert influence on it uh, if it's small enough. But uh, other than that, there's really not a whole lot they can do. Yeah, so I I, I saw that uh, same weakness in that. Um, but so back to this Bant Tokens thing, I was playing it and like a lot of the cards individually don't feel as strong. You're not playing Jaces or anything, but uh, collectively, it just felt super powerful when you have the, the White Retreat and you have a Fetch Land, all my guys get <laughs> plus two, plus two, <laughs> and, and just get in there. Yeah. Um, and it plays Windmate Rocks, which uh, the reason why it's become one of the best cards in the format right now is obviously the downward spiral in popularity of language. Seems like there's not that many of the popular decks playing language, and without language, Windmate Rock is the big fucking daddy of the format. Um, it's just it's just so fucking good. It's it's well, six it's, power and eight toughness. Yeah, it's it's that time of season right now. This is the first pro tour after a brand new set and a big rotation and all that kind of nonsense. So this is not the time to play control. You know, typically yeah. you just don't see the control decks roll out for this this time. Hmm. And if there's one card we can all we should all be excited about, it's Mantis Rider. It is Finally, Mantis Rider's time. Lightning Strike <laughs> is not in the format. Bioblight is not in the format. Ultimate Price doesn't target it. So, yeah. Mantis Rider. But complete disregard does. <laughs> True. And that's and, and because of Mantis Rider, that's why we're seeing the, the, the adoption of almost every other deck playing four Silk Wraps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Silk Wrap is... Uh, pretty fucking good um actually um i've been very impressed with it and uh playing this deck it it feels good and again like you're trying you're, you're not punished for having uh all these lands and then you can nissa um flip it very consistently and uh, you're not you know what if they kill your first one because you're playing four you're actually really happy that that your first nissa trades with anything so uh, so far, it's it's been uh, pretty positive. I'm pretty happy with the results. It's it's definitely a deck that I might play this weekend, but uh, I'm gonna jam a bunch of landfall first, and because landfall is just cheaper to acquire, uh, period. Yeah. So uh, there's a good chance I just might go with the landfall plan. Like, I just bought the deck. I had all the other pieces, and uh, I think it required me ten ticks to get what what I was missing. For for the uh, for the deck online, so that's that's the one I'm looking forward to play. And uh, yeah, I mean, the only other thing of note for the Pro Tour for me was uh, it ended. It was an all Japanese final, and I'm not sure when the last time that that happened, or when the last Japanese guy won. Since um, I don't even remember the last Japanese. I remember he's the guy who like took a long time to pile shuffle. <laughs> that, that's what you remember about him. Pile count. Do you remember? We don't call it pile shuffling. We call it pile. Do you counting. remember? No. This is like the the Conley Woods uh, top eight. Um, the one where, where he's he like, like just like constantly staring him down. Yeah, and he was just uh, scooping people into the finals, into the top eight. Um, I'm gonna I'm huh. gonna find this. It's like Conley Woods. Uh, Craig Craig Wesco was also part of this top eight. Um, I'm gonna find it. Yeah, uh, Yuya I- Iyanaga. Um, I don't know if you remember that at all. He was like 
This was when, um, I'm not sure if this is the last one that a Japanese guy uh, won, but that's the one where, like, Team Channel Fireball were all on that uh, Glint Talk Idol deck. Yeah. And Ianaga was just on this crazy... Yeah, was it the one where, like, Woods went on, like, a ridiculous tear and then just, like, scooped, like, the last three or last two rounds to, uh, like, PV and someone else? Or I thought it was Ianaga, maybe. Because he was crushing everyone because he was just playing... The eight Titan deck, he had four Infernal Titans, four Prime Times, and you know he was just like going over the top of these. Uh, no, I, I remember one where Conley was like just crushing the the uh, the Swiss, and he just scooped a bunch of people in. But this is the A team. Fact check us. Google it. Do whatever <laughs> you need to. Do. I doubt this was the one because Conley finished first after the Swiss. Yeah, but he was doing that good. He was like undefeated. It is possible then, because this 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 topic was stacked. It had Conley, it had Craig, it had Raptor, it had Ianaga that ended up winning, it had PV, it had my boy David Kaplan. It also had LSV and then Richard Bland. So lots of star power overall. This is probably one of the well, actually, all the all the top eights end up usually end up being stacked because uh, at Pro Tours, like skill certainly rises to the top a lot of the time. Like, I'm never surprised by like a top eight. Like this one, we had John Finkel, we had PV, we had all these big names. We had that upper and coming uh, Japanese player, Martin Mueller or Miller, Martin Mueller. Um, so I'm I'm usually never shocked whoever top eights. It's always a pretty pretty stack. Yeah, I think it's Martin's uh, second PT top eight in the last year. Uh, I could be could be incorrect, but. Uh, Google, Google check us. Yeah. Ease <laughs> ease McCray, especially. Um going back so KYT, going back to your conversation with Alex, what uh why didn't he like a lot of the standard decks? Like what were the complaints? Wasn't control. Think, yeah. Okay. It wasn't Sphinx Sphinx Revelation. Uh I think it's it's not his style deck. It's usually not something that uh I think he felt Every deck had had a specific weakness, and and maybe he didn't find the uh, specific tweaks to Jess Sky Black that uh, needed to be made. Um, because I think the SCG circuit, based on talking with friends, they said that SCG like they didn't go, they just splashed for a bit of Crackling Doom. They didn't go full like full on the Black Plan, whereas Finkel and Turnwall like actually had Tasker in the deck. In their decks, right? And when you watch the the coverage, like Tasker is a big deal, and it was like a huge, huge threat in, the, in that particular deck. So maybe um, in in the team face to face, I haven't talked to him at length, but they didn't find the specific tweaks, push it over to the top, and and some people were were scared. Um, not I'm not talking about Alex specifically, but like other people, like uh, my friend Jay Lanzal, who was also qualified for the PT. Like a lot of teams, just talking to them, they probably wanted to avoid green white um, metamorph, even though like it was heading in as deck to beat because of of its results at the SCG. And just like me playing the deck, I felt like it was definitely one of the best decks in the format that you could play. Of course, Ricky Chin said, uh, fellow Canadian said, "Fuck that!" Decided to play it anyway and played it to a top eight finish. And so that deck, I think, is still very much legit even with people having a plan against it. It just plays a lot of the best cards in the format, and it plays the best Trump, the Silk Wrap, and Dramokas Command, 
And I... And every time, like, I saw Ricky Chin or anyone playing these decks, like, every time they ripped the Jamoka's command, it was just game-breaking. Just because of, again, the mana cost, how effective it was, and, and the effect it could have on the board. So that's also on my short list of decks to play. Um, it's just, it's probably the safest choice, uh, to be honest. Um, it's just, I just don't see any that many holes in it. Um, so any anything else uh, from the PT that we want to talk about? Uh, eh. Not particularly. Uh, yeah, I do. I want to talk about a couple decks. Fuck. Yeah, sort bro. So I, I think that we got to, like, just, we were talking about Bring Delight. We were talking about Five Color Bring Delight, and there were some people who were playing it. Um, I was looking through, like, you know, top performers, and there was a guy who went 7-2 and two with 5-Color Bring Delight. His name was Valdez Calvis. And, you know, he's kind of running, like, all that kind of stuff. He's got a Dragonlord Ojitai, which I kind of liked from when I was playing it. It seemed like it was bad. He had a Wingmate Rock because that card's really good. He had a whole bunch of control stuff. But I think the thing we really need to appreciate Mr. Calvis for is the fact that he fucking went 7-2 and two at the fucking Pro Tour while playing a prism array in his sideboard. <laughs> That's right. Prism array in a 7-2 fucking deck. 7-2, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't add up. I thought we felt that deck was, that card was unplayable, constructed, and limited. Yes, absolutely, but he found a way. A five-color <laughs> deck. So. Actually, I'm having to look that up right now. So, uh, that's pretty sweet. Uh, the other deck that I'm really interested in is the Maynard Calcano thing. Right. The, uh, the blue-black uh, aristocrat deck. Crazy Nantuko Huss Whirler Rogue deck. Yeah, absolutely, where it's like got all these things where it's like you can go Liliana and you can hang her back for zero to flip your Liliana. Um, it's got, like, the dude that manifests when you die, when a creature, like, when it dies, it manifests something. So, again, you can have, like, you could flip your... Uh, hang her back to flip a Liliana, do all that kind of nonsense with it. Hmm. Has it has it been seen as too cute? I, I wonder. I, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if it's too cute. It's the right kind of cute. <laughs> I mean, we <laughs> no, did see like decks pre rotation do the a similar thing um, on the S like on the SCG circuit where they would uh, basically use Nantuko Husk as a cannon. Um, it just lost a lot of uh, a lot to rotation. Yeah. So, but like going with the blue side of it, you get interesting things like Whirler Rogue. So you can cast the Whirler Rogue, tap the two tokens to make Nantuko Husk unblockable, then sack everything to the Nantuko Husk to just face the guy. Yeah. And this format seems to be in a position where people kind of tap out, or it's still kind of difficult to do something about that. Because Nantuko Husk like can beat damage based removal pretty well. It it sucks, you know, when you get nailed by something like a Crackling Doom, but the deck was doing very, very well day one and wasn't getting any coverage, and then day two they finally kind of tipped the hand on it, so Yeah, I mean well you're not playing blue, I mean you do have access to dispel. Yeah. Um, which I mean seems pretty good in this format. Yeah, it's 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 so it feels so good. The spell is like one of the cards that feels the best to cast. Whether it's Dig Through Time against Ojitai's <laughs> Command, against a Coligan's Command, any, anything that costs a shit ton of mana, you're just like, bang! And they're like, fuck. How does that go? Bang! Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I like this show. Hopefully, you're going to have time to play some of these decks, Jer. Uh, yeah, I, so I'm I'm doing the thing on Moto now where it's like, I said to myself, this standard is going to be the standard where I start to play the things. So, But it's going to be tough. You need to draft. I mean, I actually, I forgot that you're Mr. Baller because Gideons are, are fucking expensive yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm probably going to avoid Gideons. Um, I'm probably going to do the blue-black deck, and I might do the landfall deck. Those are the two decks I'm interested in most. Yeah. So. Yeah, I like that idea. White retreats, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I might play that. The Just Guy tokens, I, I'm, I was really interested in that at, at the beginning because it was just like, it, it, it sort of is an improvement, even though a lot of the important cards that I like got rotated. Basically, you no longer had the crazy stoke the flames turns where you like stoke the flames with hurling Alpish to- tokens and tap all of them, use them again for, for another stoke the flames. So you couldn't have that sort of crazy thing going on, but it made up for it by the addition of cards that made the entire deck more consistent. So you had, instead of just relying on just guy ascendancy and, and folding, if they commanded it, you now had other threats that follow the same token game plan but uh, gave you, like, sort of extra copies of Ascendancy. So Gideon's one of them. You can Anthem them at any time. You can add dudes if you need them. Uh, and and so that's what made made me interested in the deck again, possibly. The, just, just the addition of Gideon, I think, is huge. And the fact that Silk Wrap allows, like, triggers uh, Jeskai Ascendancy. Um, you Silk Wrap a thing, but it gives you a, a loot effect. And uh, allows you to solve some of the problems that um, the deck might have uh, when I was playing sort of situational removal because I, I still didn't know what was right between Wild Slash, Magma Spray, and Lightning Strike at the time. And now, like post rotation, maybe you just like play a bunch of Silk Wraps and call it a day. So. Oh well, I was actually it's uh, it's funny that you get to that point because I was looking at Tamada's list. And because um, he has four fiery impulse in his deck, and I was wondering why. Because my immediate impulse is, well, why would you just not auto play wild slash? Wild slash can kill your opponent. And I realized that with spell mastery, it's one of the only ways to deal to elegantly deal with uh, with Mantis Rider. Yeah, like between he plays one silk wrap and four fiery impulse, and those seems seem pretty good pieces of removal in this format. So. That was a, a thought I had. Yeah, before before rotation, there, there was a mix because Fire Impulse could sometimes kill a Fleece Me Lion before, mm-hmm. but like you sort of want to kill it on the spot, and it's not like you're going to be able to set that up turn one or two, right? So it was like this weird thing where you know you you need basically a turn two Jace, or you need to. To play some amount of spells really early to be able to kill uh, an early fleece mate. So, so I wasn't like that in love with it uh, before, but now we're seeing like match riders everywhere in terms of uh, all these Jeskai decks. So, so I can see that one point of different uh, damage making a difference. So, moving on, we have the we have, we have the on. announcement. Yeah. Yeah, because it's my fucking show. Oh, well, um, fuck. 
I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> we have to fucking move on. Um, <laughs> Elemberto always comes on and announces all these crazy things, and obviously the, the thing that's got everyone's uh, excitement at a, at a super high this past weekend was the announcement that the next RPTQ, not not FNM, RPTQ promo <laughs> is an alternate art Snapcaster Mage. You know, I don't really care about that. I want to know what the next FNM promo is. <laughs> Do you have information on the FNM promo? I have no idea. No? Uh, no. Well, shit. So, on a rating from 0 to 10, how excited are you about this uh, news, uh, Jeremy? Jeremiah? Well, let's see. Did I want to have another $600 in my bank account? <laughs> Do you collect promos, Jeremy? No, but I like to live the lavish life with bullshit. So, <laughs> I've been foiling out my snaps. I have right now, I think I have four non-foil snaps and three foil snaps. So, okay. I will probably just turn them all into promo snaps. And, oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. But it kind of bugs me because it's something that I want, and I just, where I'm at right now in my career and life and stuff like that, playing an RPTQ is a very, very difficult thing for me to do um, because getting the PPTQs, like, they're they're somewhat doable. It just, it's hard getting, like, the time to play, like, full tournaments like that. Again, like, I'm Moto Leagues and all that kind of stuff. Uh, I do like the fact that they're going to let people do online RPTQs if you qualify and you can't make it to a uh, a physical location, but then you also get a RPTQ version or an online version of the promo instead. Oh, fuck oh are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, they don't so send you a, a print. Uh, they don't send you a paper version. No, no. Whoa, that is like, yeah, that that it's makes. Strange. Oh, sorry, you missed it. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, you get an online version. <laughs> that is not equivalent. That is I don't not know. Cool. Maybe we'll be able to sell it online to somebody for 150. <laughs> Maybe. No. Uh, how do you like the art, though, Jer? I think the art's kind of cool. I think the art kind of like tells everybody what we already know that this card was printed in the wrong uh well it was printed in the correct part of the color pie but it's definitely not solid in the blue part of the color pie. <laughs> like it's like here's a magic guy and he's definitely not what you would think of like art when it comes to a blue mage. He kind of looks like maybe he's in a red thing, but don't worry, that's kind of what the point is. It's like when they make art that kind of tells you this is kind of what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be casting him to, like, lightning bolt the guy in the fucking teeth. <laughs> Did you figure yeah. that out? <laughs> I, I, It's okay. Uh, it's not, like, amazing. It's not like I have to go out and get it awesome, but at the same time, it's also, it's not terrible. Yeah. It's, like, cool, and it's something that's a little bit different, and that's going to be enough for me to spend too much damn money on it, so... You're not uh, too high about it either, Matt. No, I, I mean it's just it's just kind of boring. Like it's it's kind of funny because this whole like I don't know what it's been like in Canada, but like the the Twitter the Twitter storm of this whole new art and uh, like that if you criticize the art, you're racist or whatever. What? Uh, yeah, there's people that that like believe a lot of the criticism is coming from like this 
uh, racist sort of thing. Racism? Uh, so, which, I mean, I'm definitely not coming from that perspective, but... Why are you so racist? <laughs> uh, I And then I, I, like, compared it to the art of the previous Snapcaster Mage, and it's, like, I guess, like, in a vacuum, they're both as boring to me. But I just like the... I like... I'm of the... In, I'm in the camp that invitational cards should always have their yes. art. Yes. The original art. There should always art. be a sad robot. There should always be a Chris Pakula. Yeah, so I'm not one to... Like, I will almost always think that, like, the the art is a step... is a downgrade from the previous... from the original printing of the invitational card. So... Because I think it's more of a respect thing. Uh, I mean, the Invitational is a cool part of Magic's history. So when they started like changing, when they started changing like Solemn, and then they started, then they changed Meddling Mage, and then they went, then they came for Snapcaster Mage and all this stuff. I was, I'm just like, come on, guys! Like, can we just break that policy? Can we just revert back? But just be cool, bro. Be cool. <laughs> Anyway, I mean that's minor. It's cool that Snap. I mean, maybe it will lower the price of Snapcaster Mage a little bit, which is nice. I don't think so. I I doubt it too. But I mean, yeah. has Liliana moved at all because no. of the pre- promo? Zero. Okay. And like, even with Liliana, like the promo is the exact same thing. Like, yeah. At least they didn't do that. I think that might actually be worse. Yeah. Uh, well. Huge, huge uh, Canadian news for us, Jer. Just been announced that Justin Trudeau is probably going to have a majority government. Yeah, a majority. Yeah, they're oh, projected wow. to have a majority at this point. Good for them. It's uh, it was shocking because before the show, I was looking at the the first counts and they swept the Atlantic. Yeah, they completely. did completely. They, they completely swept Atlantic Canada. Like thirty-two to zero. Um, yeah, I people won't change it. Redneckville, still live in redneck part of the world, which is super conservative. Like you look at the map, it's like in your part of the country, it's like mono blue conservative. Oh yeah, it's pretty gross. That's that's basically Kansas, and I mean that's <laughs> I I I'm with you, Jeremy. Like I'm I'm I live in the little blue dot in the little red in the big red sea. That is the central United States. That basically, I we don't get visits from candidates because our state always goes Republican, always goes conservative. So, yeah, I feel you. Well, our country is funny in the way that it's like how how split we are, like east west. Like over east, it's like mono red, yeah. and west, it's mono blue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome in that like whole thing. Um, what was I thinking? My my favorite part is because like I'm in like this like awesome part of the country that's like all conservative type thing like that. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I go and I I watch uh, the hockey game yesterday. I watched the Oilers game, and I'm watching it online, but I'm still getting all the commercials. And every commercial break, it would be two ads from the conservatives because they're the guys with the money. And then there'd be like one ad that'd be either NDP or an ad that would be uh, uh like a liberal ad. And my favorite part of the conservative ads, because it was the exact same ad that they ran back and forth, and it was just like, he's doing all this stuff you can't afford, blah, 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 blah. 
And then right at the end, it like flashes all of like these angry people's faces, and it's like, and you'll pay for it. And all these angry people's faces, and then like a going out of business sign. Like it's just like hardcore, but like there's one dude in the the faces that they're flashing who's just like this angry as fuck guy. And every time like commercial came on, it's like they have enough money to send this guy to kick my ass if I don't vote for them. And I think that that's what they're trying to imply here. So, <laughs> like, I think this guy's going to come here and kick my ass. <laughs> I like that so, theory. I mean, how can you how can you prove that he's not? Like, I, I can't. I tell me, tell me that I won't. Tell me that I won't me, send me somebody to, to your my, house. Yeah, he, he's he's coming. <laughs> Right, I I I was seeing a lot of commercial where like they're just repeating the same shit. Like Justin Trudeau isn't ready. Just not ready. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stephen Harper oh. will keep your taxes down and fart out unicorns. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite though, I love like political attack ads. They're so awesome because it's like it's always like this prim and popper like awesome picture of like the candidate that they're doing. And then every other one is, like, all, like, those dirt photos, like, where you, like, catch, like, a speech mid-frame, and, like, the guy looks like he's, like, passing a fucking football through his urethra or something like that, where he's just got, like, his eyes crossed and face, and it's always like that. It's great. So, uh, kind of, kind of switching topics, but say, so, Jeremy, for your, for your future... Like with with paper magic, like what does paper what does like your paper magic look like in Redneckville? Okay, I mean, so are you going to be able like are you going to be able to go to tournaments? I mean, do you work twenty three days on and then you just just go home and get a week off, or how does how does that that work for you? Usually, my current shift is a ten and four, so ten days up in the boonies, four days back home. Okay. Four days are usually on a weekend, so I usually will get to every second Friday night magic, and I do that. Okay. Uh, sometimes I'll also jam like a Saturday or Sunday tournament, like a PPTQ or something like that, if I do get the opportunity. But if I do like a two days of magic weekend, it usually hurts. Uh, to put it in perspective, I'll actually probably play more GPs than PPTQs in a year or an equal number. Okay. Because like I, my, my wife understands kind of like this magic thing is something that I do uh-huh. and she's cool with that. And to make that work, like we'll travel and do all that kind of stuff and make that a part of our trip. So like my wife wants to go to Portugal because she's from Portugal. Um, Part of that trip was going to be doing a stopover and going to New York when we thought GP New York was going to be GP New York. Yeah. So little things like that. So there is like this aspect of being able to kind of play big magic, Uh, trying to play online. I still like to buy the cards. I collect the cards. Like I, I, I collect, uh, Korean magic cards, that's kind of my thing, so I'll always mm-hmm. buy Korean boxes. Um, and I'm kind of the same way. Gets... I'm like, the the paper paper magic is part of my blood. Like, I started playing when I was 11, so uh, as a childhood, I didn't, I didn't really play magic online at all until very recently. Yeah, and that's that's like my big push right now is just trying to make it work for me, just trying to make it so that I can keep playing magic and be able to play magic online because i just that's that's tough for me right now yeah um i don't prefer the magic online game like i i do like that i have access to um 
that I do have access to being able to play competitive Magic. I love that leagues came out. I remember a lot of people when leagues came out saying, "Well, what's the deal with leagues? Like, why why does this even matter?" Well, this is why it matters because mm-hmm. it gives you know people like me the ability to still play competitive Magic because two man queues are not competitive Magic. Uh, I agree completely. Yeah. So that's kind of where I sit in this whole scheme. Okay. Yeah. Um. It'll change up. Like, I'm right now trying to work my way back into the city. For the last two years prior to coming up here uh, around that Tarmacon convention, which was a month or two ago, um, prior to that, I was actually working in town um, and not having to run into all this kind of nonsense. So it's just a little bit of A, a little bit of B. I just kind of have to roll with the punches on it. So cool. Yeah. That's all. That's all. Hmm. All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay. How's everyone feeling? All right. Okay. All right. <laughs> Good. Um, okay. Uh, I didn't want to mention why I, I didn't watch uh, the entirety of coverage on Sunday. Cause it was because you hate the, magic. I hate magic. No, it was the start of something um, a local started. Um, I don't really know too much about him. Um, Chris York, who started writing uh, for me a bit on Mad Deprived, and I think he started it during his time in Asia uh, where he started like a booster league uh, and it's a very interesting concept uh, basically you just have six packs of Battle of, uh, of Zendikar but uh, if you and you have to play three matches against people in your league uh, three different people and uh, every time you accumulate a loss you have to buy a standard legal booster pack Okay, uh, to add to your league but once you hit uh, 11 losses, you are kicked out um, of the league. You lose. You're eliminated. Huh. So it keeps going. Like The window of registration is two weeks. And then you just try to constantly eliminate people until uh, there's a final four. And then like ultimately uh, prizes are given to those people. Like uh, Face-to-Face Games is providing a booster pack per player as prize. So we're currently, I think, 16 to 20 players in this league. And it's very interesting. Um, but uh, the only thing that that is kind of that makes it less interesting so far is because that because you cracked six battle for Zendikar packs, unless you crack a pool that has no BF uh, Zendikar like mechanic synergy, you're you're unlikely to to buy any other standard legal pack. For example, uh, Peter PD Pablo, who's in our league, opened like an allies pool. He's unlikely every t- if he loses ten times, he's unlikely to buy any pack because he's just hoping to open a rare ally or or more solid and common or or common allies. So that's the only thing that. Uh, whereas other people who open more generic pools or like don't have enough allies, don't have enough ingest, and think there's a plus EV play because Origins has better like uncommons or commons. I haven't actually analyzed. I've just like because I opened a bunch of Eldrazi, so I'm like, oh man, I need just need <laughs> to open packs of like ramp spells or, um, and uh, I'm like green red and and at least re- uh, Battle for Zendikar has Rolling Thunder at uncommon that is like a super bomb. Um, and the other interesting twist I didn't mention is that in this particular league that Chris York came up with, you're you're, do- you're doing a sixty card deck, so your initial deck with six packs, is pretty clunky and shit. You have to play, like, a bunch of unplayables. Uh-huh. 
but just the excitement, like, you know you're going to, even if you were to win the league, you know you have to take some losses. So I was actually happy. I'm 1-2 to start, okay. but I'm happy because I got to buy a pack and crack open and see what what uh, I opened. And uh, for my ramp deck, for my first rare, I, I opened a from, uh, I think it's called From Beyond. It's the green enchantment that makes, like, Eldrazi spawns. Oh, yeah, turn. yeah. The awakening and I'm just with, like, uh, hunt a, an Eldrazi. Yeah, I'm like, wow, I just hit the fucking jackpot with my... Like, what I need to hit is obviously an Ulamog, but outside of that, it's looking good. So. Okay. Ula, Ula, Ula. Yeah, that sounds a lot of, like a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, was, I was confused a little bit at the, begin, at the beginning because I thought every time you lost, you bought a pack to add to the prize pool. Oh, right, yes. right no. So now that you're... It's actually like... It's very similar to... So when I managed a store, I actually ran a sealed league uh, for a lot of my players where basically we would, we would play uh through for three months uh you would build your deck um you can buy a pack every week so you start with six packs and then you can buy a pack every every week so people would come in like sunday and just all excited just to buy their one pack to change their pool and then get their league games in um and that was i have to say sealed leagues are a lot of fun Nah, yeah, I miss and, the online sealed leagues from a bazillion years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and you can add like, and we didn't have the standard limitation, so you could you could buy. I had one guy who bought Mono Alara Reborn or Alara, the one with Cascade. So they just their deck was just like all these Bloodbraid elves. Oh yeah, that sounds fair. Yeah. <laughs> well. I'm I'm really looking forward to playing more matches. It's gotten uh, more people into it. As someone who doesn't um, usually uh, play casual bullshit, um, I decided to sign up. And uh, be- because it's a 60-card league, what I do enjoy is that it's forcing me to optimize a, ma- like a mana base for a constructed deck. Mm-hmm. So I think it's allowing me, the, the be- there are ben- competitive benefits to this. It's allowing me to fine-tune a constructed size deck um, using my own skills and talents. Um, because there's no, like, you can use a ma- mana calculator or whatever, but still, like, you need to, that's not going to be perfect at all. So um, I, I see a lot of benefits of being able to create a mana base from scratch and uh, using that knowledge in the future uh, to know how many sources of green and red I need for this and that. And uh, obviously I, I, I always use the Frank Karsten uh, super good article that he, he wrote for CFB on mana sources as a guideline, but uh, looking forward to playing more matches with this. Um, Yay for transferable skills. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I love that. You mentioned it's funny that, there's this whole stigma, like competitive players don't like spikes. Don't like to play casually. It's like we like to play casually. We just like to play casually competitively. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'll play ADH, but I want it to be like the French rules or whatever, like that, where it's thirty life and the yeah. The point is to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think part of it is like because. I, I, I think a lot of it is like in my past experience when you know there's no point, there's no drive in winning. Your opponent isn't like taking the game seriously, or like he's talking on the phone, he's doing something else. I don't know, he's distracted. And, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's that that yeah. that takes away from the enjoyment of the game. So when it's like a so it being competitive certainly makes it so that you know you're 
you're pitting your wits and you're just challenging yourself and, and playing a good game of magic. Um, and with that, uh, before Kyle kills us, uh, any <laughs> last things that you guys want to talk, talk about th- this episode? Uh, please let us know what you think about the content, uh, especially you, Yzma Cray. But uh, we've loved having him on the show. He's been awesome. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Any any uh, last last things or things you want to shout out? Well, I'm uh, not going to be a douchebag. I'm going to go on to the fucking comments and see if anybody had something to say. Because, like, what's the point of asking people? Uh, let's see. Great episode, guy. What's the deal with Monolith? <laughs> Looking forward to his boo, blah 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 blah. Boosh said a bunch of shit, but it doesn't matter because he's not here because he's a fucking idiot and he's watching some <laughs> Steve Jobs. Your words, show. Jeremy, not mine. Your words. Well, I want to watch that movie too, by the way. Why do you want to watch that movie? That movie looks so lame. Does it? Because it I, I, I love Steve Jobs, so. Yeah, but really? I mean, there's been two movies done by him. I didn't see the first one, though, because apparently it was garbage. So. Because Ashton Kutcher was Steve Jobs, so oh, I don't see man, how I, I could forgot t- that was a thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I could take that movie seriously. Ah, I might watch it tonight. <laughs> like, that's you know, it's uh, I I got an Apple Watch, I've got an Apple phone, I've got an iPad, Look, I I got all that stuff, but like, I I feel like I I miss out on this whole cult of Steve Jobs thing. Like, I just I don't understand it. It sounds like the guy was a bit of a prick who came up with some neat toys. Yeah. I think that's definitely I mean, one way to look at it. Why, why would you celebrate that? Because it sounds like this movie is like, here's Steve Jobs, the visionary prick. I think, no, I think the first movie maybe celebrated him as more of a hero, but this one from the trailers, it actually shows like, I think it shows like the asshole side of him or something. Yeah. So, like I, just, I, I, yeah. I mean, out of the, out of the, Four of us of the uh, eighteen cast. I think you're you're the most Steve Jobs out of us four. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> hey, it also means you're a tech fucking genius. So, so what do you think of a whole bunch of geeks watching football tonight? Football? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, for the Star Wars commercial. Yeah, the uh, Star Wars trailer was oh, like the right. first full trailer that. was done during the. The football game tonight. <laughs> I I don't know. It's whatever for me. I, I I'm gonna go see it. On, I'm gonna watch it online after it airs. So yeah, same here. Uh, what else? Let's see. Uh, Blue Jays are being game three awesomeners, so that's sweet. Oh uh, yeah, they'll probably lose. By the way, you guys are Whoa. two games down. Whoa! What? What? USA! What? USA! The content. USA! <laughs> this is gonna be a tight fucking series. Nah, you guys get that. You guys lost Fuck a three-run lead. I'm the last game. Like, what are you doing? We're oh man, because they were noobs. They they like miscommunicated. Oh yeah, yeah. settling. Uh, yeah, more than making up for it in this one. This is gonna be tight. It's gonna be uh, tight. The whole series. Yeah, the whole series. Okay, I, mean. I was about to say like this game. No, this game's not tight. No. But, uh, hopefully David Price uh, comes back uh, with a strong game, and if Strowman has, you know... We've got two aces that we'll pitch again, so this is going to be a tight series, I think. I don't think we're going to go... We're just going to die, so... It's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, that is for sure. Um, so with that... Oh, I got something. I got oh, something. Okay, go. Okay. 
so I like little contests. And uh, so I had this idea a while back. What, so uh, if you, so to enter this contest, basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a really short clip from a match of magic, something from coverage. Oh my goodness. So uh, what you, the listener's responsibility is, uh, you can enter this contest and the winner, I will send a pack or three, depending on how generous I'm feeling to the winner. So all you have to do to enter is comment or tweet the answer to this trivia question, this trivia. So I'm going to play a portion of a match and you have to tell me what match, uh, you don't have to tell me what game, but bonus points if you tell me what game, but what match I just played. So it's kind of like name that song, except it's name that, uh, name those players. Name that covered match. So yeah, uh, enter with the, uh, in the comments section on Man Deprived. I actually don't think that tweeting at us is enough. You got to comment on the episode. Yeah, comment in the, put it in the comments, folks. So yeah, and I will send, uh, uh, let's just say I'll, I'll send a draft set. I'll send a draft set of Battle for Zendikar. Wow. Big game. Big game. Problem ex- expedition in there. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. I've not opened one yet. So, you know, statistically, you know, the more I buy packs, the, <laughs> the greater the chance is of somebody opening Very my expedition. That if you have an expedition and you win these packs, you tweet him saying, look what I got out of your packs, regardless yeah. if you got it out of the packs. <laughs> okay, so here it goes. Okay. Here's the clip. Uh, it's about 15 seconds long, but, uh, yeah, let me know what it is and, uh, let me know what it is in the comment. All right. So, uh, we knew that was going to happen a while ago. Uh, and oh, show offs. All right. A million and ten life. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Was that audible? That was audible. Mr. Hagan was going on about a million and ten life. Okay. All right. That's a good one. So that is the clip. Like I said, your your responsibility is to let us know what match that is from in the comments. It's a softball. So they'll they'll start out easy. They'll get harder in the future. But. So right. Good luck. Comment on the episode and retweet the episode. Sounds good. (laughs) Good luck, A-Team Army, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Are we still settled on A-Team Army? If you like me-